Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. Hope everybody uh, listening or watching is doing well. And I am uh, particularly excited about this upcoming interview in just a, uh, just a minute or so, uh, because I was delighted to speak with uh, Sean and Austin, who are the developers and the creators of Fogtown, which is an upcoming TV series and adventure game starring puppets. Yes, that's right. They're using puppets and they're also using technology that is similar to what Disney is using on The Mandalorian. Now, uh, this episode will be available on the podcast to listen to, but I would also encourage people to watch it if at all possible, because in this interview, Sean and Austin, they went behind the scenes and they showed a little bit about how they they are using the technology uh, to create this series, so how to create the backgrounds and uh, and everything, and then there's even a puppet show from Sean, which was delightful as well. Which, uh, while you can hear it, um, I I think people really enjoy watching it as well. Um, so um, so yeah, they went behind the scenes. They spoke all about the characters and uh, the world as well, and how you can help because they will need our help uh, if they're to make this a uh, reality. But uh, but yeah, let's get to it. First of all, uh, here is a trailer for Fogtown, uh, followed by my interview. So please enjoy. You scoundrel! Stop the barrels and let Sherlock go. Not another step, Blackson. Or should I say, Black soon to be no more? <laughs> oh, get serious, Gilligan. You're a terrible librarian and an even worse criminal. Surely you're not going to do any damage with that dusty tome. Oh, I'm going to damage your very mind with a riddle most puzzling. What is the library's greatest weapon of all? Uh, knowledge? <laughs> you in kind's memory? Oh, reading between the lines? <laughs> no! Book club! <laughs> Your puns are terrible, sir. You haven't seen the last of me. Time to make my getaway in my giant evil airship. Dear. Looks as though we've run out of our special effects budget. Oh, confound it. No airship. Ugh. We don't even have the resources to properly visualize the inferno of banned books I was going to drop Sherlock into. Well, I think we have a whole new priority. Shameless begging?
thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games podcast. I am joined by two uh, fabulous men here, uh, joined by Sean Parker and uh, I'll try and get the name right again, Austin Hilbrecht. Is that correct? Yeah. Hilbrecht, yes. yeah. Hillerbrecht. It's almost yeah. like I've been practicing, but still got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or it's maybe fine. you've been talking with them for so long now that you're sick of them. Just Hillerbrecht. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hillerbrecht. <laughs> well, look, I as I know as people always get my name wrong, even here in Ireland, so I know how it feels. Um, <laughs> well, well, welcome, guys. I'm delighted to, to have you guys. You are working on the Fogtown series, which I'm sure people might be aware of, but in case you're not, uh, we will be talking about that now and showing uh, some of the uh, what you guys are working on. But it looks fabulous. And um, Sean, this is uh, your second time on the podcast. It is under extremely different circumstances. <laughs> yes, uh, I, because we uh, spoke a few years ago now. Um, you were part of the Gabriel Knight 4 campaign. And uh, as I told you before recording, that interview was by far the most popular. <laughs> so, so you're clearly good at promotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm sure I'm sure it must have had a little something to do with uh, trying to bring back one of the most beloved game series sure. of all time. But uh, I'll, I'll take the compliment. I mean, thank sure. You. Probably both. Uh, now, well, now we've got two of you now. we got Sean and Austin. So, so I'm hoping this can go like doubly popular. But, no, I, uh, I, I cancel it out. I'm terrible at it. So <laughs> it's going to, it's, yeah. This guy oh, didn't even finish Gabriel Night 1 yet. So he's going to oh, take away all the credit I could offer. Which version of Gabriel Night 1? Was it the original version or the, I mean, I, I, I like them both or the remastered version? Which I, Sean sat me down one time and like made me start it. It was it was the original one. Um, okay. Yeah, and um, he didn't have it himself, so he just played it while he was with me, and we were living in different, uh, probably well, different states at the time. So it was a little difficult to get you to commit to a full like twelve right. hours to <laughs> play this game. <laughs> but uh, he did not get bored. Okay. <laughs> oh well there's there's still hope then yes <laughs> uh yes well this time as we as i mentioned we are here to talk about uh fogtown but um i suppose before we talk about fogtown uh maybe you guys could um give a quick introduction about yourselves who you are what your background is just so people can get to know you uh, probably very quickly. And then I suppose uh, we could talk, probably going to guess, uh, Sean, what your favorite adventure games might be. Might be wrong. Um, but, uh, well, first of all, maybe Austin, since this is your first time on this podcast, um, if you could give a quick introduction about yourself, your background, and well, what your favorite adventure game is or narrative game is, if you have any, or if you have several. Sure. Um, I... Uh... Me and Sean have known each other since we were in middle school. Um, uh, for people in Ireland, I don't, I don't know if you call that middle school. It's, it's. I was twelve, he was eleven, so we've known each other since then. Um, been making movies together ever since. Um, I'm, I've been working as an animator, freelance animator, for about eleven years now. Um, done a lot of work on commercials and TV shows and film and and uh a little bit on video games I actually just worked on um was the animator for the sims for uh all of last year 
which was a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, I'm uh, currently I'm based out of Los Angeles right now, and uh, been working on Fogtown for. Well, me and Sean have been working on it for like ten years now, but it's really been in the wow. last like <laughs> two two or three years that that it's really suddenly kind of exploded in in progress. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it, are there any? Uh, now you mentioned The Sims Four. Are there any of the of the films or TV series that you're that you're able to mention that you worked on that people might know? Uh, yeah, I did a little bit of work, uh, just ba- barely a, a little bit of work on Grimm, the sh- show Grimm on uh, NBC. It was on a few years ago. Um, most of my stuff's been commercials, so it's been it's like you know Coca Cola. Um, oh. Rice Krispies, uh, um, they're good commercials though. Puffs, yeah, the 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 Kleenex, Puffs Kleenex, uh, (laughs) tissues, um, yeah, the uh, a bunch of Canadian commercials too. Uh, oddly enough, um, there was like a whole, there was a very long time where I was doing a lot of uh, this brand of this like a cell phone brand called Kudo, um, and they had this like this uh, luchador mascot this is a little animated character that i animated a ton of those apps uh, those co- commercials for so um yeah oh and i'm an actor too i guess i should mention I'm, I'm one of those uh i'm one of those creatives who do i do a lot of things um so yeah i've, I've been acting also for since 2008 professionally um math whatever that math is <laughs> that's how many years <laughs> a long time now <laughs> yeah a long time oh um, well oh that sounds cool as i mentioned uh coca-cola as in particular they're they've always been very good you know they're very visual as well they're um you know like yeah. uh, uh they're, they're not commercials they're not ads that i usually skip to i'm like oh coca-cola okay let's see what they, let's see what they do here now so and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, do you play any video games or any narrative or any adventure games or yes um yeah big big fan of video games as far as adventure games go um i was before the interview i was coming up short on what i played and sean had to run me through the list (laughs) and i was like oh yeah that one that one that one um but uh to to the moon is like probably top of the list like that one that was to to the moon and finding paradise like me and my wife both played that separately from each other. Like she, she played it on her computer. I played it on mine and there were, (laughs) we we would never spoil things for each other, but there got to be a point where like, that's, those are one of those, probably one of the only games that have made me cry at the Mm. end of it. Like, Oh yeah. Falling uh, (laughs) from, from the story and like the emotion and everything. I was just, Oh, so good. Um, Yeah. I, I played and also some of those like games, yeah. Not uh, for I've never had a video game make me cry for one, and then two, like the pr- presentation of the game, very much in that you know top down sort of, not eight bit, but that would, would it would be like sixteen thirty two bit sort of style, kind of Pokemon style gameplay. Like you expect a certain type of game when you play something like that, and then it had so much more underneath the hood that I was not expecting. Mm. So yeah, very, very great game. 
highly recommend yeah. it to everyone out there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I played those two games as well. Nobody ever seems to, at least when it comes in the podcast and in the community, I don't see many people talking about those games, but they are fantastic. And they, they look like a JRPG. Yeah, and yeah. so the, and the, I think it um, it kind of pokes fun a little bit in a good way, you know. Uh, in at the start of To the Moon, when um, you start to have you f- see a squirrel, I think, and you're about to fight the squirrel, but oh right, <laughs> now, yeah, now yeah. you don't. But it's kind of like poking fun, it's like oh yeah, you expect it to be one thing, but then it's it's not. Um, right. Yeah, definitely. I can. I've played through those. Go at least the first game, To the Moon, twice. Uh, I really love the story as well. Um, so I also would re- recommend those two games. I haven't played the third one yet, which came out I think, last year. Um, oh, yeah, so definitely have to do that. So, well, thank you, Austin. And uh, and Sean, welcome back, Sean, <laughs> to the podcast. Much. Delighted to have you here again and talk about your work this time, which um, it looks fantastic. And and again, if, uh, if uh, would you like to uh, briefly introduce yourself as well, give your background and uh, say what your favorite uh, adventure games are? Sure. I, my work has been very, very entwined with Austin for the last 20 mm-hmm. something odd years. As far as my own creative stuff, uh, it's it's him and me most of the time whenever it comes to like a film project, which is our main background. Uh, we're always we always have something in development. Um, outside of that, I'm a, I'm primarily a video editor. Um, but on my own stuff, we wear all the top creative hats writer director creator <laughs> and my favorite adventure games um and to the moon is definitely on there and actually i told austin you simply must play this <laughs> also thanks to you that you uh, played it <laughs> it is uh, sean, sean's my little what? my adventure game dealer he, yeah. he plays them and then he's like you gotta you gotta try this you, you have good taste <laughs> i'll give you that <laughs> I, I it's so hard to come up with a list of like favorite ones and it's constantly <laughs> shifting but the ones that are on my mind right in this very moment would be like gabriel knight 2 firewatch and the blackwell series those are like mm. really really solid contenders for like having a special place in my heart for you know the long run <laughs> yeah no absolutely good all great choices i played them all as well firewatch is yeah people are compared that to up uh certainly the beginning oh. of it it's like it's like the beginning of up as a four to six hour game experience in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, because I was like, oh, I was not expecting this. Uh, but, but, but not not as relentlessly like tear jerkingly like oh, devastating. Yeah, <laughs> just at the beginning. But yeah, no, I really and the Blackwell series, of course, uh, from Dave Gilbert. You know, those games just got better and better, and. I agree. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, no, fa- and fantastic. It started out fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and it's exactly. It didn't exactly start out bad. <laughs> it yeah. uh, started out great, and you think, oh, can I get better? And then it, it kept getting better, and uh, and and yeah, no, some great great choices there. So um, so yeah, so then um, as as you mentioned, Bogtown, uh, which is now again, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a TV series and an adventure game, I believe, side by side, and also you, it's uh, it's with puppets. Um, which which look fa- you know fantastic as people may have uh, seen on on the trailer, uh, which I will hopefully have put up before. <laughs> um, it 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 looks absolutely fantastic. And I told you, Sean, before recording, uh, you know we're friends on Facebook, and I've been following your progress. 
But then when I saw the first trailer, the, it, it didn't prepare me for it. I was like, oh, my God, how did you guys do this? So hopefully we can find out. I suppose, first of all, um, well, first of all, what is Fogtown? If you can talk about uh, the plot and the characters. Uh, so I don't know which one of you guys um, want to talk about it. So I don't know if uh, Austin, if you want to just uh, give us a brief rundown of of the setup of Fogtown and the characters and the setting of this series. Sure. Um, Fogtown is a, a mystery comedy series, as you said, with finger puppets. Um, uh, it's basically our very wacky, zany take on Sherlock Holmes uh, and and his many mysteries and adventures. Um, uh, it's uh, I, I would say it's we used Sherlock Holmes more as a launching pad uh, than a sort of uh, you know, rule book, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, we took the characters and the, and sort of the things that people are very familiar with, with that world and those characters and the, the, the way, you know, certain mysteries that everyone knows and stuff. And then kind of just doing our own thing with it. Um, uh, and it's been so much fun to, uh, to sort of give ourselves creative license to, to do that. The more that we've done it, the, the more it's turned into kind of its own, its own thing, which is really great. Yeah. Um, uh, so, sorry. Yeah. No, definitely. It's uh, fra- as you mentioned, it's uh, taken on Sherlock Holmes, and uh, so who who are the the characters? Uh, what are the names of the characters? Oh yeah, English? we've got our we've got Sherlock and Bloxon <laughs> are our our two leads. Uh, right. There's Sean's. <laughs> Sean's got them right there. Um, I play Bloxon, uh, the voice of Bloxon. Uh, we got the Did fantastic. Have some trouble if you tried to play Sherlock in the twenty twenty. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go near that. Uh, no, we, we got. Uh, we got a great, great uh, actor uh, who's actually we found him on TikTok. Uh, funnily enough, uh, his name's Chris Yamez, and he plays Sherlock. Uh, and then we've got a whole other cast of characters. We got. Inspector Lafraud, we've got Mrs. Hud, um, we've got Lafraud. our, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, those are the main characters in the in the pilot episode. Uh, we've also got our our villain bad guy. I don't know how much we want to give away about the villain in the in the pilot, but um, oh wait, oh the pilot, the pilot, That's, the pilot's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the moth napper. That's the case that they're they're investigating in, uh, or sort of invest investigating around the moth napper in in our pilot episode that we're we're currently running our our crowdfunder on Seed and Spark to try and raise funds to produce that that uh, that pilot episode. Cool. Uh, yeah. Well, the thanks for that. I'm sure we'll get into the cast now in in just a bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you mentioned the pilot TV series there, I suppose, um, wh- where did the idea come from? You know, who, how did you guys come up with this idea of, uh, Sherlock Holmes type story, uh, that's comedic with puppets? Um, so, so yeah, I don't know, Sean, if you want to answer that. Yeah. I, I mean, we could. Austin, you you know this. Or Austin, whoever. We alternate every other word. Sure. (laughs) In years past, we both (laughs) were 
fans. <laughs> and this is this is terrible. We should just. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> you went and further than I expected. We go with fans and <laughs> uh, or fans you... of. <laughs> yeah, if you did that, we would have been on the right track. We so basically <laughs> in around I'd say 2011, this show came into existence as just like a just a base story and us developing it. We were we were both pretty into Sherlock Holmes. I had been a fan of Sherlock from like childhood and Austin was getting super, super, super into it because of the BBC series at the time. Mm. Uh, the first season had come out. We both were like huge fans of that. Um, and so kind of our approach for a while um, has been to do an equal mixture of making our own thing, but also kind of doing a satire of an existing thing. Uh, and so it was kind of an easy choice for us to be like, hey, what if we do, you know, our own kind of Sherlock thing? Because that's public domain. There's a lot of interpretations of it. But we could do something in our style that's pretty different and fun. Um, and we've just continued to workshop that, shelve it, put it on the back burner, bring it back out over the last 11 years now. Um, and it's changed, it's, the form of it has changed a lot, but the heart of it uh, with just, you know, the wacky adventures of Sherlock and Bloxen has remained like pretty identifiable. Um, and it was just hard to, con it was, it, we were kind of getting a little disillusioned with how long it was taking to, to make this because we were envisioning it not as a puppet based series, but as a live action uh, thing where they had, you know, big costume block heads running around in full sets or uh, rear projected technology kind of things. And we just knew this is going to be a big budget endeavor. Mm. Not going to be able to pull it off as kind of like garage filmmakers on our own. So what can we do to make this more feasible? And we were working on a more big picture film project a couple years ago that we hoped would be kind of like our next thing, but it was still a bit too ambitious. And right as we were like kind of getting ready to take it to the next level and just get the scripts uh, out in front of the right people is when COVID started to shut down everything. And we, we, we knew that we didn't want to just like wait for circumstances to change in order to make filmmaking possible again. We wanted to make a pivot in what we could do in the moment that was within our means and that was pandemic friendly. Um, and the idea of doing finger puppets of our original concept was just kind of born out of that need to make something happen because we can't get together with, you know, in 2020 at least, a bunch of people and film a live action TV series, but we can take puppets and put them in front of a backdrop and have voice actors do their thing and have a show that's just as compelling and works on a story and character level, which is all we really cared about. Um, the, the live action trappings were not the, the be all end all of Fogtown. And when we made that pivot, it gave us so much freedom to see a whole new set of possibilities for what this show could be. And we can no longer even like visualize our, our old vision 
for what this was going to be. It's like, this is, this is fog town. This is what it always really, really needed to be. We just didn't know until a couple of years ago. <laughs> no, no, fantastic. So this, is this done remotely? Have you guys been working together in the same location? Because during COVID, as you mentioned, we couldn't meet up. Um, but with the finger puppets, uh, how, how are you guys working together on this? Is it uh, remotely or do you guys meet up or, or how do you guys do it? Well, I'm, I'm in LA. So, uh, mm. and Sean's in Portland, Oregon, uh, which is a state above us that we're, we're separated by a thousand miles or so. Wow. Yeah. My, uh, my geography of the uh, U S is not great, but I can imagine that it's yeah. pretty far. <laughs> yeah. So about California and I am not in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's mainly, it's mostly been remote, uh, until more recently when, when, uh, you know, vaccines are a thing now and, and there's mm. th the restrictions are coming down a little bit. Um, yeah, we but can I'm leave the house I'm, now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still remote. I'm, and, uh, and I'm still sort of collaborating with the team. The most of the team's up where Sean is. And I'm kind of one of those weird stragglers out here. <laughs> um, if you, you, you can, speak more to that sean because you're you're actually working with the team up there um yeah which has grown a lot in recent months um we were we used to just all be developing it uh in just zoom zoom chats kind of figuring out like the script and the sets and the puppets and not really ever seeing each other in person so much until more recently and now between our cast and uh and our crew and the two projects we have going on simultaneously, the show and the game, we've grown to about 40 people that are working on this in, in some significant fashion, uh, which has it's been a lot wow. of growth in a short period of time, but everyone is really bringing something kind of magical to the table. And it's just a lovely group of people who believe so wholeheartedly in this endeavor and are elevating it like so, so much so quickly um just it's it's uh it's a wonder it's such a blessing <laughs> yeah it certainly looks as, as i keep saying it looks fantastic so you have 40 people Mo most of them are they in portland uh most of them are most are, are are here or pretty nearby um and then there's probably about you know uh i'd say roughly a quarter of us are not okay and them are in different countries whether they're, um, you know, acting or consulting in some fashion. Um, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, how do we you guys, were, oh, sorry, go ahead, Austin, sorry. I was just going to say when, because sort of speaking to what Sean was talking about a, a little bit ago, like when we, when COVID hit and we were trying to rethink how to approach this thing, the whole project was reconfigured in a way to where theoretically we could do the whole thing remotely um and and we still can and and so it's like it's the cool thing about uh the way work is happening nowadays is is um you know not, you don't necessarily have to all be mm. in a, the same studio at the same time kind of thing uh it's all uh and especially with the way we're making this show it's such a um this weird hybrid of live action mixed with animation pipelines uh that it's 
coming from someone who's worked in animation, there's a certain way that everything is done and mapped out um, uh, and steps you take. And then it's, it's kind of completely different when it comes to live action. And we've had to like take all, it's almost like doing all your post-production in pre-production and then, uh, and then sort of doing production it's it's this weird we took all the way all the steps and then mashed them all together <laughs> scrambled them up and then uh are sort of figuring out our way through it but uh it's been our, our puppets are not done on front of a green screen where we then go okay later on people are going to make these environments the environments are made first they're projected on monitors that are high quality enough that we can film the monitor mm. with the in front of them and then you've got a finished shot right out of camera wow that, that basically doesn't need to have VFX added to it, but depending on what you know the scene is, might have a little, but so much, so much less time is in post-production on this. The test videos we've been shooting, promotional bits we've been doing with the puppets, when we film them, um, the editing process just flies. And I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> it get bogged down in just post-production purgatory. Um, mm. We don't have that on this uh and that's so good <laughs> yeah I, I i can imagine it's great that you can visualize that it's magic you don't have a, a green screen and have to kind of imagine what it would look like you can see it right there as you're filming uh, it sounds yeah. i believe uh is what it mentioned uh on one of the sites uh cry from excite that it's similar to how you're or how disney make mandalorian <laughs> Um, it, it's basically or... the exact same process shrunken down to micro scale. It's the same software. It's, wow. cheaper, it's cheaper hardware that achieves the same effect. It's just a matter of using Unreal Engine with a computer that's, you know, a decent gaming rig, basically, that can run the real time 3D. We have a camera that's, you know, uh, Blackmagic Cinema cameras. They're, they're very consumer available. They cost about 1200 bucks. We rig that up with uh, 3D tracker stuff from, uh, currently we use it from uh, Vive, the VR headset manufacturer. That all interfaces within the Unreal Engine so that when our camera operator puts the camera on you know, his gimbal and is moving around uh, in, uh, the puppets and filming the TV, the TV image will then alter its perspective on the fly to sync up with his camera's POV and look like we're you know, essentially in a real physical space, even though all the magic is happening on a flat plane behind. Uh, it's really quite fascinating. Um, yeah. To see how that process comes together on set and um, figure out the ways to leverage that technology in the way that uh, works best for the, for the look and the story. And yeah. You, great. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the word magic. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so you guys but i know i i guess you guys be working on the mandalorian season four and then after this <laughs> yeah we, we, call, we'd be, <laughs> yeah if they want to do a season four where all of the characters are puppets and, and about six inches tall uh, and the humor becomes suddenly very off-brand <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I would watch that. I... <laughs> no, but it sounds, you know, fascinating. And uh, now I don't know, Austin, if because uh, I know we mentioned before recording, if you're able to show how you're able to work on that, or is are you able to show that uh, at all uh, for people yeah. watching? Yeah, I can show you 
part of the process. Sure, whatever you can, the, whatever you're able to, whatever you want to. This will be more the asset creation, less of the uh, virtual yeah. production, which is sure. Well, anything at all to help us visualize how it's uh, so this how is the magic their is done. Apartment, um, or Sherlock and Bloxon's apartment. Uh, it is. This is all created in Blender, uh, which is a free 3D modeling animation software. Uh, I most I've most of my time is in my career is been using uh maya uh but blender is free so i couldn't pass that mm. up uh and i also i didn't really know how to use it before i started this project so this kind of gave me a chance to like learn how to use the the software here um but this is yeah this is all of their apartment um this is more sort of we're in a mode where you can just kind of see the textures really well uh, and if we zoom out this is kind of what everything looks like wow uh so all of these buildings here but um for those curious too like it's also like the reason that the lighting looks kind of flat right now is because it's not it's not rendered in that mode that we do within you know unreal to give everything the yeah i can look i i can probably let me see if this will work i i can attempt the rendered mode we'll give you a little taste oh, of, sort yes, of yes. what it looks like in lighting um so yeah this is our cozy little apartment building um we want this this cardboard aesthetic uh where the whole world looks like it's made out of cardboard uh basically few reasons why one is we knew we were going to be doing this this method of filming it where you have puppets in front of a screen and we wanted to you know maybe have the option of recreating some elements in the for in the foreground like real world elements uh whether they be you know chairs or you know walls or whatever um so we knew that like kind of going into the design of the world it needed to be easily replicated in, in the real world uh and so to sort of make everything cardboard it's like the, the cheapest uh th you know it's it's in everyone's recycling bin so um it would be really easy to recreate uh something out of cardboard uh and then kind of on a, a sort of a, a larger scale um when we were sort of approaching the design of this this show we kind of we we liked the idea of uh pretending like this whole show was create it's almost like uh some precocious little 12 13 year old kid uh who loves sherlock holmes made a a little sherlock holmes diorama and made little finger puppets and and put on a little finger puppet show um and so uh as far as like design simplicity goes like that's kind of the thing we've always fallen back on it when when making things is like you know how much detail do you put into for instance like these walls have all of this paneling in them the paneling is not it doesn't exist it's just a draw it's drawn on on the texture it's not a 3d you know uh, there's no 3d molding or planks or anything like that and so it's it's one of those things that kind of speeds up the workflow it just makes it really quick to make things because you're not doing a ton of uh details uh but uh it also kind of 
keeps coming back to that higher sort of design uh, standard that we, we were kind of going for with the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks incredible. And like, as I said, it's great that you can like, you know, not just a green screen, but you can see this right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, as as you're filming it, so no, it looks absolutely amazing. And um, so then you were talking earlier, Sean, about the process of of filming. So while we have it in Blender here, uh, so would would you get the puppets and then you could see the backgrounds then as you're filming, or yeah. how is it? <clears throat> I can uh, I can put on a virtual background behind myself. Um, let's see. <laughs> Austin, you've got your renders on line. I'll go download one of those. Uh, yeah, we'll, the... see, we'll see how the webcam uh, treats <laughs> the puppets in terms of doing its live keying. Sure, I, yeah, yeah. With me. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a lot of, oh, we've had so many times on Zoom when we're doing team meetings and people are trying to show off stuff, but they've got virtual backgrounds. And it, yeah, yeah. And the thing they're showing just completely like vanishes. And it's like, yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to turn that off. <laughs> okay, so if I yeah, he's just he vanishes. <laughs> I'll be I'll be his background. Sure. And you just pretend that I don't exist, and then uh, and then we got our puppets. And if I was invisible, they would be in their apartment, and we would be uh, more or less getting the general vibe of how uh, uh, how it feels to uh, you know see them in Dude, their home. Yeah. Doing doing a standard Fogtown adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can definitely visualize it uh, from the videos that I, that I've seen. Um, yeah, uh, cool. And no, the that, yeah. are so much. There's so much fun. I can show off a little bit of you know the detail as best my webcam can. They are um, a mixture of uh, of three D printing and then um, for the heads themselves, which Austin models them based off of his concept art. They go out to our 3D printing team, and then also um, they get costumed by our collaborator, Devin, who does the painting, uh, all the clothing, putting the hair on, other little miscellaneous bits. Her partner, Phelan, 3D prints props and, you know, like this hat and stuff as well. And the puppets have a, a pretty fun amount of articulation for their size. I mean, they are finger puppets. We put them on these, we put them on these rods, but we have... The ability to just actually wear them on our fingers here and there when the need arises and uh through this device that they're on which is also a 3d printed slightly hollow cylinder which has its own mechanics there is a little lever here which we attach to a wire that allows us to get side to side head motion which once we had that ability we we're like oh now <laughs> these are now these are alive now we can like <laughs> just when when you have a voice actor reading lines and you're just shaking a head back and forth to those it just 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 some little spark that happens where it's just like we've crossed the threshold of what is needed for us to get invested now as a viewer in what's happening um and you know they've got two arms and we actually kind of need two puppeteers per puppet in order to fully do everything we want because you've got you know three things to be operated and most people mm. don't have three hands <laughs> uh, usually the, the puppet itself will be on a stand but sometimes if it's moving around that's another thing to operate so you'll need two people to do each puppet um, sometimes if it's two puppets on screen at the same time you can have one puppeteer per set of arms 
and then another puppeteer who does both heads. And everything is voice acted first. We edit kind of a radio play uh, with the exact timing we want to stick with. When we're happy with that, uh, we just play it back on set, get familiar enough with the lines um, that we just become second nature to pantomime them out as puppets. Um, and we're learning a whole lot about how to make that workflow improve, but we're extremely encouraged by um, the results we've been able to get so far in a pretty, honestly, pretty short time frame of, of having puppets and doing the actual videos after making, you know, you know, 10, 10 years of just pipe dreaming development up in our heads. And now, now it's in front of us and it's just speeding along like, like wild. The next iteration, these puppets are all kind of prototypes, but we're working on a version that will allow us to have head tilting motion so they can nod and look in any direction as well, thanks to some springs. Um, we might do a mixture of like different puppets that can do different actions. Um, so it could be, there could be a whole, a whole set of, uh, of them just to represent one character, which is fun. The heads are also swappable if we need to, and the expressions, uh, we made sure that they can be changed. So it's just a matter of like just stickers, stickers we move around or replace for different eye shapes, eyebrow positions, uh, anything we need to like, just really emphasize the fun emotions, which the other fun thing that I like um, that makes it easy, but also adds a little bit of charm to it is that their, their expressions are fixed. They don't move during a shot. They move between shots. So it's kind of comic booky where they can mm. have one expression, something happens, we cut while they're doing like some dramatic turn and then suddenly like they're really mad or really surprised. Uh, and it just kind of has, it lends itself to these extreme shifts, which go well with um, the, the, the personalities of the characters and also, you know, Sherlock himself, who is quite, quite the mood swinging fellow. Uh, it, it works really well uh, in a puppet form. And in some ways, I prefer the fact that we're limited by that and that mm. we're not going like, face alteration and post where we can animate the eyes and stuff. It's like, no, 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 let's, let's just rein it in and make it easy and kind of let the lo-fi charm of that carry it. Uh, Cause one, we don't want this to get out of hand with the scope of what we're able to produce. And we also, we like lo-fi stuff too. And that's what inspires us. We want to kind of inspire others to be like, Hey, it doesn't take a lot to make something that is really effective and charming and worth watching. You don't have to have it polished to a mega budget sheen. Let the rough edges show through once in a while and audiences will you know, gladly forgive you for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and pretty much everything we've done so far has been using programs and materials and things that like are completely open to the public like you know blender is a free software unreal is a free software uh i guess there's 3d printing you, you would have to buy a 3d printer for that um but there's or our you whole one or, or that <laughs> um but yeah our whole process has been sort of the most like let's try and remove as many barriers as possible to the actual creation of the thing and 
and hopefully show people that like, you know, if we all did this stuck in a pandemic in our little home offices, uh, like anyone can do whatever they wanted, you know, it's, it's, uh, the sky's the limit, you know, and there's, there's stuff out there to help you achieve your, your dreams and stuff. Yeah. Especially, especially if you just can find your people, find your people that can fill the voids that your project um, has and just keep working on elevating it and um, just making a really impassioned community around a creative thing. It's like, I can't recommend having that enough. It's so wonderful. If you get the opportunity to make something creative with a really, really passionate, fun team behind it, go for it. It's a bucket list experience. And I'm just having the time of my life this last oh, I can imagine. <laughs> year, year or so um, in particular as the team really has taken shape. And I can't wait to see where we go once we're able to compensate them. <laughs> <laughs> Working I mean, on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wish I could go to Portland right now and just help you guys, whatever, just even use a puppet. I would have the time of my life. Oh, uh, I'm so. sure I would do it for free. Just let it out there. I probably wouldn't be very good at the beginning, but I would do it for free. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, we'll speak about how to compensate them now in, in just a sec. So, but uh, but yeah, no, that's that's really helpful to help us to show us how uh, it is uh, it is made. And t- thank you for that. Um, so we've seen. I think it. You know, it looks really good either way. You mentioned not uh, uh, not animating afterwards the facial expressions. I kind of didn't notice. <laughs> When I was watching the the trailers and the videos, I was because I could imagine their facial expressions anyway. <laughs> I think I didn't, so it certainly didn't bother me. I don't think it would bother, well, many people. So yeah, I think it's working out as it is. But um, yeah, no, fa- fantastic. Now, of course, you know it looks good, uh, but it also needs to sound good. So we spoke about one of the well, two of the voice actors, uh, yourself, Austin, as well. And I believe that you guys uh, got one person out of retirement to, go, <laughs> to come out who was in a certain video game that we, certainly Sean and I like. Um, yeah, a, a, a couple of those, there's a, there's a couple of people now who fit that definition. Oh, a couple. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I know of one of them. Oh, so please, please, please tell us. So who yes, did you guys... So I guess it's probably a good time to, to uh, quickly touch on the fact that, yeah, this is not only a, a TV series, but we're making a video game. That yes, is we, we are making an adventure game, is, or you guys are making an adventure game. <laughs> just yes. the same, same aesthetic, same assets. It's just an interactive movie version of, like, you know, of Fogtown. It's like taking a case and just making it as branching path silly as we like and having it just a standalone little adventure that we make uh, while we're doing the TV pilot. And that game has its own, has its own cast of extra characters. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> game. The show and the core characters, those voice actors are all carrying through both projects. Um, but the game, um, we've, we've only cast a few, few of the roles, but we're quite happy with who we were able to get um, among them. I, I'm sure the, the, the man that you, in particular who you were thinking of is uh, Dean Erickson. Yes. Who played Gabriel Knight in the second game, The Beast Within, which was live action video. 
Um, and he has not had a screen credit since that game, which always uh, was remarkable to me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the circumstances if that was partly a personal decision on, on his part, but clearly um, it's kind of like, in my opinion, long overdue that he had another game <laughs> role. <laughs> and I'm so glad that when we, when we you reached out to him and showed him just a little bit of what we were working on, that it, he was very quick to agree. He's like, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Um, and so that's, that's been great. That was, um, I think I'm the only person on the team who has played Gabriel Knight too. Oh no. Still very <laughs> <excited>. <laughs> okay. Well, everyone on the team, I mean, I'm sure you guys are busy now, but once you get a chance, <laughs> uh, but no, fantastic. Yeah, uh, we got Dean Eric because uh, I believe, you know, other Gabriel and I fans are trying to reach out to him to do interviews. And I, at least with a lot, some of them, he has said that, uh, you know, politely said, look, I would rather not, you know, I'd rather to, you know, do other things and uh which is you know fair enough uh he has every right to to do that as well um but no it's fantastic that you guys managed to get him to, to come back into video games i think it as you said it's long overdue that he gets uh that he appears in another uh video game yeah, and uh and similar story with uh, another actor paul paul morgan stetler yes who is in phantasmagoria too yeah he has also not acted in a in a a game project or really any credited screen project since that which was 96. wow um, he was and he was very quick to be enthusiastic about this too and it was so fortuitous because of his um recent return to the adventure game scene about a year ago when um you know his game phantasmagoria 2 was having its 25th anniversary and he wanted to commemorate it by kind of doing this whole youtube channel of interviews and retrospectives and playing other games in the genre as someone who mm, never I've seen a few of those played, yes. uh adventure games he he hadn't even played the game he was in until <laughs> he made this youtube channel last year and uh so he built a really cool uh impassioned community of people who are particularly nostalgic for that mid-90s sierra fmv feel which has this very um I can't put my finger on what exactly the vibe is, but it's utterly sinister when you play <laughs> some of those. <laughs> when you play some of those games, like it doesn't matter what's on screen, but it just feels mm. spooky. Uh, and <laughs> oh, it's kind of like that. Uh, and I think that now Fogtown. I, I don't even think we've even mentioned that it's a it's a family friendly show mm. and game, but it is for all. It's not. We're not trying to make it for kids. It's it's really for us, but something that we could show to you know, kids or our kids, because I now have a kid. Um, and we still want to have, you know, some of that, that creepy horror feel to it. We want to push just a little bit past what we could do if this was a kid's show. Um, because kids really, they're pretty hardy. They can take a mm. lot of these days. They can have, we can have some themes that just are, are a little bit spooky here and there. And it's, it's fine. <laughs> so long story short, uh, we got, we got Paul, uh, and, and his audience is, I think is a great fit for this as well. And then on the more contemporary end of adventure game stars, we've got uh, Rupert Booth who mm -hmm. played lead in, uh, this delightful, uh, British mystery game called contradiction, which is about exploring a small village and, 
solving this mystery by finding all the lies in people's testimonies and getting to the heart of like information that they're keeping from you so you can continue the investigation. And that was Rupert's uh, kind of first, you know, arrival on the scene of adventure games and turned into performance that was so, just so delightful. Won so many people over that uh, no surprise that he's been asked to appear in so many more adventure games since then. And we get to uh, we get to do that with uh, with him in puppet form. So that'll be really fun. And then the voice actor of the uh, the director's cut or the final cut of Disco Elysium, which added full voices throughout the whole game, including uh, making all the narration spoken aloud. We have the narrator, Glenville Brown, wonderful voice, super cool guy in a super cool band called Maroon Town that I became a huge fan of last year. <laughs> We're so glad that we got him on this too, because uh, that it just getting people that are this good, that have worked on such good projects, makes us feel um, less and less like we are making things up as we go and some kind <laughs> of postures that don't deserve to be uh, working on this. It's like, oh no, no, this is the, the people that have come together are are really bringing this up to a higher platform and thank goodness for that yeah i mean you've got two actors out of retirement uh literally out of retirement to come to to do this so no pressure or anything but (laughs) over 20 years not doing anything (laughs) but they all and i'm sure they've had plenty of other offers um but this is the one that they have chosen to come back to and then the narrative of disco elysium uh which you know as anyone who's played that game knows how good the voice acting is, at least on the final cut version. Um, okay. But uh, <laughs> so, okay. So, so we know that visually it's going to look good and now we know it's going to sound good as well. Yes. But is it going to be written well? Well, well, I hate to disappoint you, but Austin <laughs> and I are responsible for most of yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I, we're I we're think... definitely going to phone it in on this one. They'll see the puppets. They'll see the voices. They'll be like, it could be, it could say anything, and, and it will be great. I, I think based on the trailers and videos, I think I'm pretty confident that it will be written as, because I've been laughing at least watching the trailers, watching the videos. So, um, I'm I'm pretty sure that that it can be. So, so the video game, the adventure game, is going to be a separate case. Is that it? It's not just it's not a, so it's it's a completely That's right. different it won't be like a it won't be a video game version of a tv mm. case it's built from the ground up with something wow. that works best as an interactive experience uh standalone which i mean who's to say if the pilot does well and allows us to make a full series going forward if uh some of the video game characters you know maybe they'll appear down the line uh we'd love to keep working with those actors and maybe there'll be more than one game. It's it's all you know. It's all very early on that front, but mm. we've committed so much time to developing this project that I'm prepared for it to be my life for as long as we can. <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, that sounds great. And also, I like um, <laughs> that you mentioned on the store page that it's. Uh, Short enough to complete and then get a refund from from Steam, <laughs> except then you miss all the fun replayable bits. Because I, I I know that this is an issue that you know with short games, 
uh, that a lot of adventure games are, that people have actually written reviews with thumbs up that this is a fantastic game, but because under two hours, I got my money back, which I'm like, oh, you come on. Yeah, um, right, but, right. But really, and it seems that so many games, not necessarily adventure games, but so many games are so long nowadays that, and some developers are like boasting about how long it's developers of Dying Light 2, I think, and Starfield. I'm sure they're great games, going to be great games, but I at least don't have the time to spend 500 hours on one video game. Um, so I really love short video games that tell a complete story um, that I can play in one evening, that I can play either with uh, you know my partner or family or, with, or even myself. Um, so uh, I suppose what are your guys' thoughts on this as making a, a short game as well? Um, what are your guys' thoughts on short versus long games? Again, nothing against long games. Disco Elysium. Is forty hours that he took me, and I loved it. Um, but um, but what are you guys' thoughts? Uh, I don't know, Austin. Do you have anything? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Like the older I've gotten and the busier I've mm. gotten, the more I just want to have something that I could finish in like two or three sittings. You know, like a, a playtime and mm. uh, to give me a good good story, a full experience with catharsis and let me move on with my life like yeah there's there's also like those games that are that are so massive like you've you mentioned uh again like they're they're amazing Uh, the things that they've accomplished in them are incredible but like i look at that and i get overwhelmed just knowing (laughs) knowing how massive it is it scares me away from wanting to play it uh Hmm. or or at least starting to play it and then quickly kind of being like i'm i'm lost like i don't i don't know what i should be focusing on or uh so yeah and it it wasn't really until i want to say the first ones i started that i played in the last few years like games like limbo or um like little nightmares or like I, i always like spooky stuff so um those those types of games were the ones that first showed me like Oh, I beat it, and I've only been playing this, you know, not that long. Like I, there was a such a, oh, that was such a pleasant experience of uh, like I, I got my little. I didn't even have time to get sick of this, and it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, we're we're um, more than happy to be trying to follow that trend with our mm. our game as well. Yeah, I yeah. think there's a place for all types of games like Disco Elysiums and, you know, these big games, but also these short games. Uh, There's one game that I played a few years ago called The Terrible Old Man, which I believe is based on a Lovecraft, maybe not Lovecraft, I'm not sure, but the game itself took 20 minutes and yet it didn't feel Uh too long, didn't feel too short. And another game, I think it's If on a Lonely Night, again, two hours and it told four or five different stories. And again, it didn't, it felt just right. The length felt just right. So, um, so yeah, sorry, sorry, Sean, I think I interrupted you. Oh, no, not at all. Um, I, I think that's like, um, I, that pretty well covers our, our general stance on, on short games. Um, I also now as a, as a father of a, a lovely <laughs> five month old baby, my time for any sort of entertainment is like massively cut short. Like I actually don't think I've watched television in <laughs> months um i i don't think I've, I've i've probably played like maybe 10 hours of games in the last month 
Uh, <laughs> it's wow. just just working on Fogtown. Like, mm. if I'm going to be this busy, the the stuff that I want to make should be stuff that like other people who are as busy as me could also conceivably enjoy. If we can hit that bar, um, then I feel like we're in a good a good place. <laughs> and I mean, there's there's a lot of pressures like you were mentioning to make longer games mm. players do want good bang for their buck um and some people just quantify that based off of like okay i bought this game that was you know 10 bucks and i got a hundred hours of playtime out of it so this was a good deal because it was what is that 10 cents one cent per hour mm. <laughs> and like that's that's fine. Those people will not review our game positively. That's, that's just what it is. We're not going to give into the pressure of like needing to make a long game, but we are going to make something that I hope from being so replayable and so much fun that people would want to, for instance, bring a friend over and say, you got to check this out. And it's only going to take them, you know, probably in the realm of it's all kind of work in progress, but like 30 minutes to an hour, maybe an hour and a half at the very most to play through like a full, you know, the full story of the game and have a wildly different experience depending on what choices that they make during it. Um, mm. it, could be a, it could be just a fun little social thing. Get your friends over, play this silly Bogtown game and let different people decide what you're going to do. During the pandemic's height, um, I rediscovered FMV games and was able to enjoy them mm. so much by playing them over Zoom with a, just a tight-knit group of friends. We played through, you know, all the Devecki stuff, Dr. Decker and uh, Shapeshifting Detective, which also had Rupert Booth in it, um, Poe and Monroe. We love, we, we love the experience of um, just kind of having that group bonding all chipping in to decide what happens and we loved it so much that we replayed those games we would finish mm. them you're like yeah. okay tomorrow we're starting again but we're going to do things different and it was honestly not a moment was dull <laughs> yeah no it's uh i did the same with uh, my partner over covid we couldn't meet because of the restrictions but we played a complex and uh five dates as well over zoom and mm. uh mm -hmm. And yeah, of course, it is better to be you know together, but it really, really helped. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree. You said you're going to to name a person. So, how, how do you like to? <laughs> sure. Um, so on the, on the subject of like really short games, um, we have yes. one of the team who's come aboard to help us design our Fogtown game. Uh, his name is uh, Reese. He works with this. Uh, he owns side group games. He's produced, produced a couple of commercially available, very short uh, point and clicks that are really more kind of like interactive novels than like traditional games. Um, Waiting for the Loop and Throw Me in the River. They're, they, I haven't they heard of those. A, they take under a half hour to complete. Um, I played both of them uh, through several times back to back in the same day and uh, loved them. Uh, it's just time stands still and you don't, you don't realize how little time is passing when you're, when you're experiencing a really good interactive story. Um, 
And so that's, that's another kind of, you know, I guess, guiding principle as we make this Fogtown game is that it's, it's not for playtime. It's for how engaged are you on the mm. moment to moment. The goal really is to make it feel just, it's, it's just an interactive version of the show. It's that same pacing. You're not like waiting around. Um, there, there's no like padding. It's just go, 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 zoom, crazy mm. stuff happening. Uh, lots of fun. And, you know, you get lost in it, but it'll probably feel a lot longer than it actually is um, once you come through because of just how many twists and turns we're going to be cramming into that story. And Sherlock, as a character himself, is very prone to seeing clues that may or may not be relevant and just relentlessly pursuing them and just changing his focus and doing a whole lot more than he should in a very short <laughs> investigation. Uh, and uh, so that that also kind of contributes to just how how much we can make it feel like is going on. <laughs> yeah, our Sherlock is, is definitely Sherlock for the modern age of people who have very short attention spans and uh, uh, very distracted. <laughs> that, that is definitely our Sherlock. Yeah, like observant to a fault must be aware of everything which makes it hard to focus on anything <laughs> uh no that sounds fantastic well i'm looking forward to that now in order to make this uh reality and in order to as you guys mentioned compensate your team uh you guys have set up a crowdfunding on um is it what is what is seed and spark yeah which i have not heard of uh, it's, it's so it's it's not kickstarter um, right. so as well as we uh, can let you guys uh talk about uh, just what is it and again it's it's uh, also a way for us to contribute to help out as well so uh why did you guys decide to use this and why did you guys decide to crowdfund and use this particular crowdfunding yeah I know, seed and spark it's definitely one of those more under the radar crowdfunding tools and i i expected that when we launched this it would probably be a, a lot of people's first times using it as a backer um mm. but the nice thing about them is for one they're they're very much focused on storytelling projects media projects okay. for a while they were purely film and television now they've broadened out a little bit more um and so other other forms like games can work there too um but it's that general emphasis on narrative that they really hone in on and when you do a project there you you don't just enter your baking details and set up your page and hit go when you want. Like you have to work with them. You have to, they will curate you. They will make sure that you have the, not just the vision, but also the, the strategy to have a successful campaign with enough outreach. Um, because through, through that approach of vetting people and also working very closely to improve uh, the messaging and make the crowdfunding pages look good. 80% of projects on Seed and Spark are ultimately successful, which is the highest of any platform by an extreme margin. Um, you won't be seeing that, that batting average on Kickstarter or certainly not Indiegogo. Um, so that was a compelling reason. Uh, we, mm. we, we knew that like we would probably be able to make more money on other platforms if we were, um, you know, if, if we got really enormously lucky, but we wanted to pick a platform that we knew we could have the best shot at getting the amount we needed to take the next step. 
because taking the next step is just the thing that's always held us back. Um, if we can take that step, you know, I think we've already said the sky's the limit, but I'll re repeat it for emphasis. <laughs> we really are ready to go. Um, and so we get that goal. It's currently uh, trying to raise $49,000 there. And it doesn't encompass the entire budget of this pilot and this game combined, but it certainly gets us a huge step of the way there. And we've been very encouraged by uh, how it's gone so far. Um, we're a little bit over 40% as of today, um, which is probably not the day that people will be listening to this. <laughs> hopefully it'll be a bit more <laughs> when this comes out. <laughs> um, I mean, we launched, we launched and on before the first day had closed, 16 hours in, we were at 35% of our goal and we were floored. Wow. That was what we wanted to hit by the end of the first week. Um, so that was great. And then we all got really busy with some stuff and uh, frantically catching up with the campaign and other doors that have been kind of opening as a result of us putting Fogtown out there. And now we're ready to like kind of clear our plate and focus all in on getting the word out on Fogtown and taking this crowdfunder as far as we uh, reasonably can. Mm. So the, the crowdfunding, uh, so this is for the pilot series, for the pilot episode. It's for the game too. I mean, oh, we'll, for the we'll, game as well, okay. Way to make them both work on, okay. on the raising there. Um, the more that we're able to get beyond that goal and from other sources, um, the more opportunities we have to kind of choose some different, like I guess they'd call them production tiers. Like we know the, the, the base minimum that we could make this. Uh, we also know that there's a certain level above that where we could do things a little bit more fancy or fun or have increased scope uh, with the game. And there's, you know, a tier beyond that too. But we know that we can make it work for the bare minimum. We'll find a way. And that's why we've set what's we've been told by many people is like, is this enough? Like, is this, is this going to be enough to like pull off what you're doing and, and make what you've shown us so far into a full thing. And we're just saying like, believe it or not. Yes, we, we can, we can, it'll be, you know, it'll be a lot of work. There'll be a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> late nights and me not getting compensated for it, but we'll, we, we'll still find a way to make it work <laughs> well hopefully you guys will be compensated uh in, in in some way at least so this so the plan is uh for the pilot and the game and then are you going to uh, red was it pitch uh the series to different studios is that the plan yeah yeah we know that uh austin you can take over for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Austin, what's the plan afterwards then? So say if you reach the goal, which hopefully you will. Um, and so then this is for the pilot and for the yeah. for the game. Uh so then it's well, what's the plan afterwards then? Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna I'm just gonna put it out there. We're going to get our goal. Uh <laughs> uh the the money will go towards uh basically going into production on the pilot and also really getting development going on the game. Um, the pilot's kind of the thing that 
is the first priority. So we'll, we'll get that done. And mm. by the time we're, we've got it to a place where we can start showing it around and pitching it to studios, uh, then like the game stuff will really ramp up um, because we'll have more more resources and time to like actually go uh, more into like that production phase of stuff with the game. Um, and yeah, that's kind of our hope is to, is to get it picked up by like a major streamer um, for the show um, and, uh, and, and get to make like a, you know, a full series out of this with multiple seasons. Um, but also the way things have been shaping up lately, I've, I've been telling Sean for a while, as far like on the game front, it's been so promising that I'm like, I feel like the game's going to be the, the first thing to hit, you know, um, as far as the public is concerned with Fogtown, they might be introduced to this world as a video game first. And then the show, uh, I guess we'll see, uh, time will tell. Um, but the other thing I wanted to add sort of to some of the last questions was that, uh, if people go onto our Seed and Spark page and donate the $35 tier, that's when you get the game mm. uh, as, as one of your rewards for, for donating to the project. Um, okay. And we know that $35 is, it's, it's, it's steep for a short FMV type mm. game, which is why we're including some other stuff with tiers below that as well. So like when the game comes out, I don't think it's going to be thirty-five dollars. You can you can wish list it and buy it later if that's too steep. <laughs> but we have some other fun things that people will be getting access to as well. Yeah, and also I wanted to add too that another reason for going with the Seed and Spark route is uh, instead of Kickstarter or somewhere else is uh, they have worked basically been open to us uh, partnering up with the Portland Art Museum. Uh, and the Portland Art Museum has granted us a fiscal sponsorship so that when people donate to our crowdfunder on Seed and Spark, they basically get to write off that donation in their taxes. Um, and it just adds way more incentive for people to sort of drop money in. I don't know how that thing works internationally, but at least in America, <laughs> uh, you know, if you donate, you donate to our seed and spark uh you can you can write it off on your taxes okay yeah oh that sounds and good really, and there's some also some some very very fun rewards that uh, we encourage people to just take a look through the page and, and read up on them because we put a lot of thought into like what would be really uh fun and i guess kind of on brand silly for fog town of like mm. if people are be putting in something really significant what could we offer them and it's things that let them put, in a small way, their stamp on the show and the game by either, yeah. uh, in some cases, being a puppet kind of made based <laughs> off of their likeness or a portrait that, you know, is in a scene. We have a particular reward tier where there's a sequence in the show where there's a kind of like a story time uh part unfolding and in that story uh, a moth god erupts from the sky and lets out this unholy <laughs> screech and anyone who contributes at that tier will be able to send in their voice making a screech sound and our sound designer will combine all of those backers into one oh cool weird you know 
banshee noise and we'll use that however that turns out <laughs> yeah it kind of sounds good and terrifying at the same time but and, uh, and there's going to be so many behind the scenes videos as we document every step of the journey of the pilot the game and the broader series people that uh want to <laughs> have people on the crew wearing a t-shirt with a backer's face or another photo that the backer owns uh we will do that and they will make sure that those show up in some pretty confounding ways uh in our little video diaries so there's just a bunch of things that mm. you know, kind of like help bring the community together uh around this project on a broader level um which is fun because it's been it's been so community focused all, all along yeah no fa fantastic well I'll include a link to that in the description and the show notes uh, that people can yeah, check on www.fundfogtown.com cool uh oh well thank you so much for that i think uh i'll definitely be checking myself through the tears <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh it's definitely so hopefully it's, it's it's doing well i think so hopefully you guys can can get there uh relatively soon um so yeah so dan do you have any projected uh release dates to say all goes well I get funded. Uh, do you have any release date for the game and for the pilot? Do you plan on them releasing the same time or different times? Or the pilot will be a little different because we're pitching it to studios, so uh, it won't necessarily be released uh, to okay. the mass public. It will be like I, I'm, I think we'll try and figure out a way to show it to our backers because they supported us. Mm. Uh, but that would be mostly around spring of, of next year. And then the game, we're hoping more to the end of next year. Something yeah. like that, yeah. And, and we'll probably, in all honesty, I, I feel confident that we'll find a way to get the pilot visible to the public at some point. Um, okay. It's just a matter of the only things that could possibly prevent that is if we got a deal that was too good to turn down and, the, and part of that was like don't show people this first draft <laughs> you wait make make sure they see the season one and it'll be like but it's so good still okay fine, yeah. <laughs> right, fine. Um, I'm, I'm sure people will be okay with that if if we can get a full season um, yeah, I guess, that's a, I guess that's a decent trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can't show you this but we can show you sure. 10 more I sure yeah i sure hope we can because like We've done we've done a fair amount of recording, voice recording for the pilot already. We've worked with a couple of great actors like uh, Rizwan Manji from uh, Schitt's Creek and Peacemaker. Wow. Um, he plays Inspector Lafraud in the pilot. We've got um, on the more video game cast front, um, as in an actor who's famous for video games but is not in the video game. He's in the pilot. <laughs> we have Steven. Okay. Who plays the villain of the moth napper of the episode who's got a just a wonderful voice and is so fun to work with he's um he's pretty well known for being in the skyrim game and fallout series um he played the voice of uh garrett in the thief trilogy um the kind of stealth focused action mm. games um great voice and uh, we had the the most fun time recording with him for the pilot and it would be oh it would be a crying shame if if the world didn't get to hear what he what he did it's it's so oh, good gosh yeah well here, here's hoping it it would be a crime that sherlock 
would need to resolve if it didn't make it. But hopefully it will. (laughs) (laughs) And do you guys have any plans on maybe making more games if it's successful or uh, would it come through a TV series or... Absolutely. I mean, if it's if it succeeds, I'm, I mean, we're prepared to, you know, keep going with it. But we are pretty, pretty much focused on the immediate future for the time. being. Sure. Just trying to think of like, OK, what can we do to make this opening? <laughs> that makes sense. Debut as good as possible so that we're forced to come up with a whole brand new set of crazy ideas um, if we need to follow it up. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, great. Well, uh, all the best with that. So uh, now you mentioned we mentioned the crowdfunding, uh, and I believe the game people can wishlist now on Steam. Is that correct? That is correct. They they certainly can do that. If for, if anyone is unable to, you know, back the campaign, wishlisting it on Steam is one of those free and almost <laughs> instantaneous little things you can do that 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 do actually contribute um, in a really nice way. It adds up to more visibility and more uh, hype, as they say. Uh, the the hype that we got in the first week of just a bunch of people on Twitter talking about how much they were looking forward to this mm. show and game opened some doors that um, we're still reeling from. Being like, "Wow, this could be really cool." Yeah, um, we're very we're very excited, and anyone who wants to kind of help push that to the next level. Uh, by sharing the campaign with a particular friend of theirs who might be a Sherlock enthusiast or have an affinity for British humor, Wallace and Gromit, what have you. Uh, you watch a few videos that we have on the YouTube channel. I think they'll pretty quickly get a sense of the vibe we're going for and who it will appeal to. Yeah. No, fa- fantastic. And that f- final question, is there any particular links? So where can people find uh, more about the series and you guys? So again, I'll include all the links in the description and uh, and the show notes. Sure, uh, so- sure. So fundfogtown.com, we'll redirect to this, the, uh, the crowdfunder, which is kind of a, a hub of much of the information about the pilot and the game. Uh, and from there, there's, there's, other, there's other places you can get linked to. Um, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Fogtown series. Um, the website for the show itself, it has some more information is fogtownseries.com. Um, we're also on, you know, various socials, just the at Fogtown series handle on Instagram, Twitter, uh, what have you, TikTok eventually, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we're all over the place. Everywhere, and I just see here that there is a newsletter that people can subscribe to. Oh yes, thank you very much for mentioning that. I do see that now. We will be sharing, um, yeah, all kinds of developments there as time goes on. In addition to just following the campaign on Seed mm. and Spark, people who don't donate can still follow and get kind of a, a blog uh, from Seed and Spark about Fogtown in their inbox, where we will be sharing the latest videos that were making uh, new fun casting announcements and other things of that nature. Um, so that's that's really helpful. Just follow us there. That'll help get the word out. We'll tell people all they need to know about what they need to say to other people <laughs> to make Fogtown uh, spread further. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, I, I certainly hope so. It's certainly looking good, but we just 
still need. Hopefully you guys will get all the help you can get. Um, it's certainly looking, you know, as I said, the game and the series look absolutely fantastic as we have seen uh, gone behind the scenes uh, today in this interview. So a uh, huge, huge thank you to you guys, uh, Sean Parker and Austin Hillebrecht. I, I'm so sorry. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> You're very kind. Uh, <laughs> is, is there anything that you guys would like to mention before we finish up? Put you guys on the spot now. You are cool. Uh, well, thank you. I'm sure also the fact, people, people listening and watching are as well. I'm sure that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't have anything. To, I feel like we've mentioned everything. I, yeah. I guess just to, just to, um add a little addendum we, we the things have been going great with the with the fundraiser so far but we still you know it's going all the way through the rest of the month of august uh and we're still not out of the water yet we still mm. need as much support as possible so of course yeah uh let's, let's not get yeah. overconfident <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, and and hitting that goal of forty nine thousand is also the amount where we're like okay we have what we need to make it happen but is it going to be as pleasant an experience as it could if we didn't hit some stretch goal funding, which we'll exactly be announcing soon enough as well. So yeah, really, I mean, uh, if you've got, if you've got rich uncles, if you've got, uh, if, if you've got a charitable organization that must donate to a 501c3 this year, which <laughs> Art museum, we've got that uh, status. Um, we will put, whatever funds given to Fogtown to really good use. And we promise to be extraordinarily grateful. <laughs> well, here, here's hoping. Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Sean and Austin, for, for speaking to me and for, again, going behind the scenes, uh, showing us how it was made and spending the last, uh, what, hour and a half or so talking about this. I had a really good time and I look forward to finding out more about this and i would love to go to portland to see behind the scenes myself <laughs> you can do that you got a you got a free you know behind the scenes ticket waiting for you i'll i'll, I'll certainly consider it <laughs> you, you might regret those uh those words <laughs> you have some in the field uh adventure game news reporting that yeah always. listen okay for, for the podcast uh well the very very best of luck with the campaign and with the game with the tv series and uh, I certainly hope it uh, uh, it succeeds and that we can see the whole series uh, sometime in the near future. So uh, so thank you so much, guys. And thank we you. will keep in touch. Yeah, our Great. pleasure to be here. Thank you. So that was my interview with Sean and Austin. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, I had a fantastic time speaking with them. And I really, really hope that they are successful. As they said, uh, if you want to help them, uh, you can check the link below in the description and in the show notes, and uh, you can read about it, uh, and you can then decide if you want to help them out as well. If you're listening to this in August or watching this in August, um, then you can uh, help them out if you so wish. So I can't wait to see what they do in future, and I really hope that Fogtown uh, becomes a reality soon and we can see it on our screens and uh, play the adventure game. So uh, that is it for this week. And um, uh, there's still plenty to, to come. Uh, you can check out uh, in September what's coming up is uh, 
a little bit different. It's an interview with both Pontus Witten Mark and Silvernode Studio, the developers of um, Nine War Lives, and Pontus Witten Mark, of course, uh, developed uh, Justin Whack and a Big Time Hack, which has just been released. Uh, I also did a live interview with him, but that interview will be coming up uh, shortly as well. And um, we're reviewing those games coming up. And also, if you are listening or watching this before September 8th, then uh, I'm happy to say, as I said before, Francisco Gonzalez will be exclusively revealing the cast for his upcoming game, Rosewater, on the Adventure Games podcast. I will be live with him, with Francisco, as we will be uh, talking about who will uh, be voicing the characters in Rosewater. So all that and a lot more as well. Uh, but for now, thank you as well as always for joining me. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. So take care, everyone. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a adventure game developer or a adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it. And you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com. So until next time, thank you.